Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Yes, we're late. It's my fault. Or it's whoever's fault it is. This is Anime World Order, episode number 107. I am Gerald Rathkolb, and with me, my good friends. This is Daryl Surratt, also recovering from Otakon, as well as other conventions, and I'm like a week or two late on articles, which I was supposed to do, but I'm here instead. And uh, this is Clarissa, and I am trying... Hard to enjoy the last couple weeks of freedom I have before I start classes again. Two conventions, two weekends in a row. It destroys me. Yeah, we had uh, Otakon and we had Anime Festival Orlando. So I think it's appropriate that we, you know, do a little bit of an Otakon show here. And we may have a guest joining us uh, mid-show, perhaps. Otakon this year was the uh, 19th Otakon. So next year, you know, if you're going to go to one Otakon and you haven't gone yet, go to next year's Otakon for the big 20th year. Held in the the armpit of the world, it seems. Uh, the sweaty Detroit? armpit of the world. Baltimore, with temperatures of about uh, 150 degrees or so. It's close. It feels that way anyway. I mean, we're, we live in Florida, and Baltimore is worse than Florida in summer. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. Aren't you from like St. Thomas, Gerald, in like South Africa? Shouldn't you be used to heat? It's weird, like and when, humidity. But we get the trade winds there, and when you have oh. trade winds, the the trade winds make things cool. Okay, and, I in see. Flo- in Florida, we don't have trade winds, but we have buildings that are, and we spend our life indoors. What? <laughs> so uh, when you go to Baltimore and it's a hundred and ten degrees, and uh, you have to actually walk around. This is foreign to me. What, right. What's this about? So I think we have someone on the line as well. Yep, yeah, sounds like it. So where were you, man? Yo, it's 45 minutes late. What gives? Yeah, no, actually, I've been here trying to figure out a way to talk with you guys. What is your name? Nobody okay. knows who you who are. Who are you? Darius Washington. How are you doing? Who are you, Darius uh, Washington? I... Why are you on the show? What makes you special? I, uh... Turn the TV uh... off. Hold on a second here. Sorry, never done this before. No, you have done this before. You've been on other people's podcasts. You said you had all this set up. You lied to me. Now, who are you and why are you here? My name is Darius Washington. Uh, I travel to a shitload of conventions uh, to promote Anime Week in Atlanta and uh, cover them for different online magazines. What do you do at Anime Week in Atlanta? I run the video rooms there, and I love anime, and present it to the planet Earth. And you've been running the video rooms there for how long? What year is this? Oh, Jesus. About 14 years. 14 years, huh? 14 years. Yeah. In 14 years, have they upgraded your AV tech? 
Or are you still running around with VCRs and DVDs in an era where everybody's got computers on timers? Uh, no, I, I screw around with DVDs and VCRs. What is the reason for that? Better control, and also, I don't, how do I put this, convert DVD files to be played on computers. Why don't because you do that? It sounds like you would save an immense amount of time and staff if you didn't have to assign people to sit in a video room, and uh, things would just run like clockwork. Two reasons. One, I normally don't get screeners until the day of the show. And two, companies don't like that. But every other convention does this, such as Otakon, hey. which we just uh, came back from. Uh, you ask them. Although, actually, I've been told they actually do play DVDs. So, I don't know. You'd have to ask them about their setup. I honestly don't know about that, what they do. I'm pretty sure every single other convention in this country, besides AWA, has uh, reached the point where video rooms are automated because they understand that video room attendance at this point is uh, pretty much a thing of the past. It's not really the thing that people would go to conventions for. Uh, for all the people at Otakon, you know, 32,000 people all the time that was there, <laughs> did anybody here go to the video rooms at Otakon 2012? I did not. I mm. only went uh, briefly for one of the uh, Gundam things that they did. Gundam, Gundam unicorn, unicorn screening, thing. got it. Oh, right, yeah, I missed that. I didn't go this year. I usually go with at Oticon when it's like a premiere or something. Yeah. So. Right, a premiere of something that you would otherwise have never been able to see anywhere else first. That's right. generally the only reason to attend video rooms at a convention, and nowadays that's almost a thing of the past. I'm making a point not to make it a thing of the past. All right, but... Although Anime if, Weekend Atlanta uh, does does do a good job of having the most interesting video rooms around. That is correct. In terms of selection and uh, things like that. Yeah. I work very hard to make certain that uh, every type of fan has something to see. So, But you just said you get them the day of the convention. The screeners, the, the, the official screeners from from companies, yeah. How do you program your room and do all that stuff ahead of time if you get everything the day of the con? I make out the schedules and talk with my staff, things like that. Make sure all the equipment is ready. Make sure all the synopses are ready for the program book. Wait, so that's crazy. You you make a schedule and synopses even though you don't have the disc in hand? Pretty much, yeah. What happens if the disc doesn't arrive? And I'm screwed. That is pretty screwed. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, sometimes the substitution may have to be made or I have to go and run and grab something. I was like, hey, stick this in real quick. Bam. That's what she said. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Lovely. All right, so uh, we were all at Otakon. We all stayed in the same room. Yay! I think of all the people in this uh, chat right now, I think, Darius, uh, you probably had the absolute best sleeping arrangement I've ever seen, uh, <laughs> aside from Mike Dent. Where were you sleeping, man? Chair. Nearest chair. With a hoodie draped over your head, I believe. It was uh, quite a sight to see. I thought well, you just my, tucked uh, your arms my, into uh, a t-shirt. I just kind of morphed into it. Oh, I see. It, it was quite <laughs> a sight to wake up pillows, to. I offered you pillows, I offered you a blanket, you turned them down. I wanted everybody else to, uh, I wanted everybody, it was like about, what, seven, eight of us in that room? Yeah, about seven. Cut the cost quite a bit. Yeah, just like, you know, I don't really need it, I, it you were, I, I, as I recall, you were on the ground, if I remember. 
Uh, some, uh, the very first around. panel I went to at the convention was about fandom and the aging otaku. And the first thing they open with is now that you're older, you can do things, you know, with your extra wisdom and money that you didn't do when you were a kid. Like you no longer have to sleep on the floor packed with a bunch of people at a convention because you're <laughs> old and wise. And I'm like, but Black Dynamite, I am sleeping on the floor with like seven or eight people because I'm not old and wise. Nice one. Nice one. So yeah, thirty-two thousand seven hundred four people are there about to this convention. Yeah, I believe that that is a jump of the previous year. I don't know by how many, but I remember a couple years back they instituted a cap at twenty-five thousand. Yeah, uh, then they did away with the cap. Did they have the Hilton next door as available space as well at that time? They did. That was the biggest problem of the con, man. Don't you remember this, or didn't didn't you ever try to walk back and forth between the convention center and the Hilton? I did, although they changed some things in mid-convention, if I remember correctly. Uh, you can leave the convention center to go to the Hilton, but you couldn't leave the Hilton to go to the convention center. I remember this was instituted sometime Saturday afternoon, I believe, because of a crowding. I never, ever saw that. Here's the fundamental issue. Okay, so Otakon takes place in a big convention center. And so many people show up to Otakon that they built a separate hotel uh, the last couple of years pretty much just to hold all the Otakon people. And then they built a skywalk. The problem is there is one way and only one way into the skywalk. It is a small, basically single file set of stairs. Right. And when you need to transfer several thousand people back and forth between the convention center and the Hilton, that actually becomes the biggest choke point of the con it used to always be the skywalk connecting the panel rooms but this year it was uh, definitely not that yeah it was a really rough point of the con and i'm not too sure what they can do about it because that would require like actual uh building of things yeah um, building like another skywalk or to a, to even a, a completely different hotel or widening and widening it or something like that so yeah, that's it, probably not a problem that's going to fix itself anytime soon they've kind of like pretty much uh I've grown practically a good deal of that convention space. Yeah, according to the an interview with Jim Vowles, there was some talk that they might be building a whole new convention center in the next five to seven years or something. I'll believe it when I see it, I suppose. Yeah, that convention center is pretty ancient at this point. The thing is, though, it seems like Baltimore seems to uh, support Otakon a good deal. I mean, literally, first thing that we saw when we got to the airport was this sign saying uh baltimore welcome to baltimore otakon wel- welcomes you and i'm like how come there's no welcome to awa <laughs> when you get off at hartsfield because no, yeah, no georgia other... doesn't give a fuck <laughs> yeah you know uh fuck i don't know uh no other convention even uh, i don't even think i've seen that at expo come to think of it um, yeah like all of the a lot of the businesses in the area around the convention center like have signs with like cool like artwork on them and mm-hmm. yeah it's actually people, great like, you know hey otakon people come shop here i th- I, I think, think we saw the same thing in Boston, though, too, around Anime Boston. I think so, and I remember an yeah. article maybe two or three years ago where uh, the new the newspaper was saying that Otakon adds, I think the number was $8 million to the economy in those few days. Oh, yeah. Just, just people spending money and just things well, being Well, I mean, spent, that many so. people, yeah, mm-hmm. just going to stores to buy supplies and getting food. and Yeah, so I don't think... $8 million, $1 in bottled water at a time. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And I very well doubt that Otakon... Ice-cold water. Ice-cold water. Only one dollar. 
and they brought him to opening ceremonies I've yep. to start the convention official ceremonies i wanted to yeah. see that but oh, who are we talking about we're talking about the central point of all memes on the internet it seems which <laughs> seems to be the water sales guys outside otakon they know how to make, but, uh, know how to yeah. make their money. Oh, boy. Oh well, they boy. have to compete for attention, so they have to be really innovative about... I said, how come you never see these guys at Dragon Con or anywhere else? I mean, that's a con that takes place across three hotels where people got to walk. Are they just not allowed to sell stuff in the middle of the street? At, at I know sometimes you have to have licenses for various things. I'm not certain... Uh, there, there, and then again, there's like so many eateries literally right around Dragon itself. It's like... Like it's like five hotels and a ton of yeah, but these guys make their money off of people in a registration line, people walking back and forth. I oh, mean, yeah, that's where the money's during at. That, yes, during that, during the registration, well, yeah, I have heard about a lot of stories of guys walking up and selling water. Normally, I'm not having. It seems like it's the only ever seen in Baltimore thing. Like I never see that anywhere else but Oticon. Yeah, I don't even think I even see it in anime Oticon, Boston. They are which, out in full know. force. Let's Being very see. entrepreneurial, let's say. Yeah, let's see. But yeah, it's to the point where everyone the really considers this guy the real mascot of the convention. It's not the crab. Yeah. You know, they always have to. <laughs> yes. it, it's this dude. It's the super ripped ice cold water guy. Yeah, super ripped. Oh, my God. Oh, man. You normally, uh, normally I see those guys over at, like, say, Braves games or, or something. Well, actually, like I was going to say, like, I wonder if it's because there's a lot of other stuff around there. Like, a lot of conventions are just at hotels. Or maybe convention centers that maybe most of what they host is probably like business events where you wouldn't see that kind of thing. But at Baltimore, there not there like a sports stadium right nearby and there's yeah. a lot of other yeah, things around the, there? Uh, or old games all weekend. Yeah, I so think, I wonder yeah, if there's, there's a lot a, of other stuff going on that it's more like reasonable for those people to be around and trying to sell that kind of stuff. Also, I think that... And this is just me speculating, by the way, but I think that maybe Baltimore has kind of set up some sort of system like for people in that sort of economic position to make some money for themselves that other cities haven't necessarily set that up. Like in a lot of other cities, if you want to sell food items, you have to get a very expensive license for it. Maybe for guys who, you know, are nearly homeless or very poor, they said, well, you can sell it very cheap for a very low license and you can make some money on it. Either that or if they just haven't cracked down on stuff like that. Yeah, whatever they got set up, I know like this year they even had like people grilling right outside the convention yep. center, that which was, was helpful yeah, that because was nice. very yeah, helpful. Food so. I tried one guy's pizza. wasn't too bad. I was, yeah, we got I, like burgers from one place. I wanted to believe that there were emergency calls going out to every Jimmy John's sub shop in New England yelling at them saying get me every piece of cheese and meat you've got in your oh my, store yeah i heard that jimmy john's was like insanely packed the whole yes. weekend darius, that, you, i never you actually went to it, it but. yeah i didn't even i didn't dare to go but darius yeah. you went right uh, jimmy john's and the california uh, california no. tortilla, oh, tortilla. Oh, thank yeah. you thank you california tortilla. Yeah, i did both of those yeah, yeah. they tore so down they, the food court and put up a ripley's believe it or not and so we were wondering like oh no where will we go now but I, I, turns I don't out know about that. We never saw it for, with our own eyes. I saw the Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, I didn't. Wa- I didn't wander over there. All I remember about that place is that every year when I go there, because you inevitably, almost everybody at Otakon inevitably goes to this place because it's directly across from the convention center right. and it's cheap. Yeah. And every year, the person who happens to be at the desk always 
asks me about the convention. Like, it always <laughs> seems like they aren't aware that there's a convention, which seems impossible to me. But the guy was like, so uh, what's going on across the street? And I was like, oh, you know, it's a convention for like, you know, Japanese uh, animation and comic books and stuff. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Hey, do you know about the raid? And so I'm like, well, the, the raid is not a, a Japanese animation movie, but I mean, I was telling him about, you know, <laughs> I, I was struck with a conversation about how he needed to see the film because it comes out on, on Blu-ray, like, you know, in a week. Every year, there's always inevitably, you know, that sort of like quick conversation with somebody at that same store. Like, I'm not sure like how they don't know that, you know, 32,000 people, most of whom stay in costume, you know, are, <laughs> yeah. are there it's for... It's well, because, Daryl, you're places, the least threatening-looking person. Yeah. Well, so. food places have a lot of turnover. Yeah, they so rotate their staff in and out. People every time. Yeah, there's probably like 30 people or 40 people that work in that store all that weekend. So, yeah, it's yeah like, it's so there's 32,000 people at Baltimore. And then there's like 15,000 people there for the baseball game. And then there's the soccer game. And yes. then there's the other... Like, yes. It's... A huge and sometimes it's hard to tell these people apart. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of intermingling of all kinds of people that show up in this place, and they're like, and you just always all sorts of mania just this one weekend. I wonder how many of them actually walk up and ask, "Hey, where where did they shoot the wire at?" Probably further away from the BCC, but you know that's. Neither here nor there at the moment because even if they like the key purpose of the wires, they have to use cell phones, and you can't possibly get a signal at Otakon. Because there are too many people around, and towers oh. are just overloaded. I, I barely even got text messages even uh, during that whole that whole weekend. Anytime I was inside the place, it was rough. I I think that a great service for Otakon would be to set up like charging stations just in panel rooms. Perhaps that would be amazing. I don't know how many people would go for something like that. Just you know, throwing that out there, Otakon. They had so much stuff that you know normally. There's more to do in one day at Otakon than there's to do at, like, three days of most regular conventions that aren't, like, you know, of comparable size. What, something like 800 hours of programming? Something close to that? It's absolutely insane, and I can't possibly fathom how they organize it, but I feel like this year I missed more of the convention than I normally miss, and it's not because I wasn't doing anything. It's that it seemed to me that the way the schedule was set up, there would be... Times throughout the day, there would be like two or three things scheduled head to head against each other, all of which I wanted to see. And then like a couple hours where I have like nothing. And then yeah. another mm. block when there's like two or three things I want to see. Last year, there was like the, they put like three different Gundam things like all at the same time. I remember that. And the per- somebody mentioned yeah. that at closing ceremonies and they said they admitted like, yeah, that was a bad idea. We shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Because, like, all the Gundam but fans year, in America are there, and, you know, there's not <laughs> enough of them to fill up even one panel. Now, this year, it was three video game panels opposite each other, but since it's video games, I'm sure all yes. of them were beyond capacity. I'm sure. I mean, um, I couldn't get in to Dave Riley's panel, which was Friday morning. Right. Oh, but yeah. it was about video game reviewing, and was there it. were... It was super good. I thought it was very good. There was at least as many people waiting to get in as the room could hold, and the room could hold, like... I don't know, 275 or 300 people. They put it in the small panel room, even though it was about reviewing video games. Meanwhile, right next door, literally two steps away in between panel two and panel one, there's a room that seats uh, 600 or so people. And they had 
another panel in there that only had about 30 people in there. And of course, it was for a Japanese mm-hmm. guest. Of course, so um, nobody's going to go attention. to it. Right. Yeah. And, and oh, I actually yeah, was at I mean, that panel. It's a, like, maybe they figured that it was kind of an academic panel, so not that many people would go to it, but it was definitely packed. Yeah, video yeah. games, man. Video games before the dealer's rooms open. The one thing about Otakon is I kind of... Um, there's no way for people to call audibles in situations like that. There's no way for people to have said, okay, this one, go into that room, that room, go into this one. And it, you, couldn't, you can't just make that kind of decision on the fly. But I, I kind of wish they had because there was just hundreds of people waiting outside. And trying then, to get into this one panel? Oh, yeah, man. trying to get once, into the video game once, they, once every single person has got something and is using guidebook in some way, they can like have pieces of paper that update instantly. Then they should be able to do that because guidebook is fantastic, and I'm glad that Otakon is using it yet again. And every convention who can use it should definitely. But I, I mean, so. I wonder, especially if you're talking about the other panel room has like a guest, that might be kind of a tricky situation. Like yeah, that might not be something you want to do for like just kind of politics, like to say like, oh well, we're moving you into the smaller room and like i don't know possibly yeah i, I understand yeah, where there's they're probably from. that sort of thing to it i mean the guy admittedly he did talk attention as a super cool dude we didn't really like nobody knew yeah, i wish i could have seen him because i heard his q a was really good yeah, we need to talk about the guests a bit i don't know if this is appropriate time to bring it up but, i really uh, didn't well, get to like well. any of the q a's this time it just didn't quite work out and I always like to go to Mariyama, so I was kind of sad that I missed that one as well. Yeah, I want to I want to give it up for Otakon, and I mean, I've listened to interviews with Jim Valls, and he, you know, openly understands and admits that the Japanese guests, unless they are like super big, nobody ever goes to their panels, but they will continue bringing them. And you know what? Hats off to you guys because you guys had some really interesting Japanese guests this time. And uh, Daryl was mentioning Hidetaka Tenjin. I bet nobody listening to the show knows off the top of their head who Hidetaka Tenjin is. Hidetaka Tenjin. Neither did, I didn't neither know who he was. He's an illustrator and animator and works on Macross. He's worked on uh, Space Battleship Yamato. He came from like fanzines. He did lots of covers to like model kits. Yeah, he draws the box covers for model kits. That's like his thing. He's not the designer. He just does illustrations, but he is an extremely good illustrator and he's done like a whole bunch of stuff. Really, really interesting guy. I'm so glad that they had them, had him there. We got to, and also hats off to Otakon Press for getting us an interview with him. Even if it was only 15 minutes, it was better than nothing. The second I heard him talk, I was like, is this guy the voice of the computer in Tiger and Bunny? Like the one that says good luck mode? Because that's what he sounds like. He understands English very <laughs> yes. well, but it's like, Hello, Otakon. You know, it's like, I am speaking like this. The I don't know, I would t- think you know, that they would like, mention that if he was. I, if he was Tiger and Bunny good luck mode guy, that would have been the only thing they would have said. Dude in Tiger and Bunny who says like, Tiger and Bunny, over <laughs> now, and out. I checked that, up his, his voice acting credits he and he's done it. like commercials and some voiceovers and such, but I didn't see Tiger and Bunny there. So that's unfortunate, but I would imagine that that would have been the the first and foremost thing if it was really him. But just in my mind, I want it to be but, him. Yeah, I I really wish I could have spent like an hour with this guy. Another weird guest, Gen Urobuchi, which I guess it's not unusual. He is the writer for Madoka. He was like the number one hottest guest of SoccerCon, and probably of I if thought, I had to say like who's yeah. the man yeah. who's 
Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I really so wish we could have gotten more got, like, time the, to interview pulse him. On Otaku yeah. Now, first of all, we asked for an interview with him. And I guess what was going through Daryl and myself's head was, what are we going to ask this guy? Because we're not like super into Fate Zero. I like Madoka Magica, but I didn't have much to say. But then we interviewed this guy, and he was super interesting. Again, I wish I could have spent more time with him, but this guy's like a writer for a lot of like visual novels. He wrote like uh, Phantom of Inferno, so I got to ask him if he's now a trained killer. (laughs) Yeah, I really wish that we had had time to like talk Lovecraft and cosmic horror and stuff because we kind of hit that at the very end. But yeah, I really wish we could have interviewed Shin Sasaki, who was Mm. there as the representative. Before we get to that, I just want to I just want to note. I popped into Genrobuchi's Q&A, both at SoccerCon, just for a moment, as well as here at Otakon. This guy's a Japanese guest. He's not a voice actor. He's not a musician. This guy is a writer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a manga artist. It's like there's nothing that would typically draw people, but that's how much this guy is basically driving Otakudom at this point. He's got not one, but the two top shows and also like hottest visual novels and all that stuff. It's all coming from this dude in Nitro in Plus. In fact, there's a anime visual guide that came out today as we record this. And on there is this blank box that just says Untitled Gen Urobuchi Anime. That's how big he is. It just can be. Th- That's all people yeah. need. And there aren't that many other anime writers that command like that kind of marquee presence to be like the new show written by this guy. Right. Yeah, I didn't get to see him. At, uh, I can't think of too many. But I got to see him at uh, Expo that during the uh, press conference that they had there. And okay, so he's just been doing the circuit this yeah. year then. Yeah. He's been all over like the place. It didn't hit me pre- prior to this how popular visual novels were. It's a genre I just never really got into. But man, you had folks coming in asking about all about these things left and right. I'm like, okay. That's what I wanted to ask him because visual novels have never and will never get big in America. But they are like the driving force of otakudom in Japan. More than anime is, almost more than video games are. It's it's visual novels above everything, but they just have never, ever hit off here. Uh, Apparently Um, there's like one, uh, there's this new anime going on right now, uh, Total Eclipse, I believe the name of it. And as I understand it, it's apparently a takeoff of one such novel. Well, yeah, of course. Tons of anime are now adapted from visual novels. I mean, that sort of, you can sort of spot. Right. You can spot that writing style from a mile away. And and we also ended the interview that he was writing a BL visual. Novel, but we couldn't oh, I know, I wanted to ask him about that. There's like a, a super nice PVC figure coming out from it, too. Yeah, I wanted to, you know, ask him, like, it, it, what sort of mindset is he in when he's, you know, describing, like, the length and shape of the guy's <laughs> wang? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about, like, obviously what it's like for somebody who, you know, I'm assuming doesn't really have any kind of interest in that to, like, have to write something like that, but... Yeah, who, yeah. who knows, but... uh I mean, I guess it's just a job. The other very interesting guest they had, again, not a normal guest, really, not a voice actor, not really a director, but uh, Shin Sasaki, who was kind of the representative of the Gundam franchise. Ah, Um, him, yes. Did you see him, Darius? Like, every single Gundam thing that's come out, he's been involved in. More like as as a producer, as kind of the money guy, as kind of the, the handler of the brand. And this guy, to me, would have been the most interesting interview. However, however, what happened? Well, what I want to believe and what actually happened, I'm sure, are two very different things. No, here's the story and we're sticking to it. 
the way that the interview process worked at Otakon this year was a little revamped. They would actually, you would submit ahead of time and they would approve you ahead of time as opposed to give you a call 10 minutes and say, hey, be across the convention, you know, in, in 15. This year, they actually pre-approved you ahead of time saying, here's who you're getting on which day at this time job, before the convention started. Really, really good. So we got approved for Shin Sasaki 11 a.m. on Sunday before the convention oh. started. 9 a.m. on Sunday, I got the phone call saying, sorry, your interview is canceled. Shin Sasaki left the convention. He's currently at the airport flying to Japan. What this means is that he saw AWO Otaku USA <laughs> on the schedule and was like, New- can't deal with the heat. I'm tapping out. I got to get the fuck out of this country and fly back to my masters before these guys nail my feet to the floor. And I assure you, that is exactly what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. We're never going to see him again. So I want to ask him, like, how is it being like uh, the head of the most screwed up franchise in anime in America? Uh, Question number one, Mr. Sasaki. I see we've got a Gundam Age and Gundam Seed remastered, and they're subtitled in English and they're dubbed. Why is that not in America? Question number three. Why did you make the second anime released in America an anime from 1979, the second Gundam anime released? Why did you expect Gundam to be as successful as it is in Japan and America overnight instead of building it up over years? You know, we could we could have just gone on and on. When you released your model kits, why didn't you include English language instructions in them? Will we ever get Gundam Double Zeta? You know, so all of these sorts of things that, you know, we could have just... They, you know what, Darius? They actually did ask, will we ever get Gundam Double Zeta at uh, the Sunrise panel? And the answer was, if we release more Gundam, it will be the Aniplex model style release. Oh, no. So expect, uh, you know, a several hundred dollar limited edition set for the people who want that show or new Gundam things, which uh, is stupid. That model can work if your show is brand new and hot. But if your show is from 25 years ago, maybe not so much. Yeah. yeah. Mm, well, I don't know. Okay. That seems so that so seems anyway, to work yeah. for, Shin Sasaki for ran most models for it. just because there seem to be that 2,000 people that will are willing to buy anything. So I got to meet him at a, a signing at a signing on a Friday evening. He and uh, Michael Sinter Nicholas were uh, signing uh, Gundam posters. They were like, "Yeah, this guy's been like promoting Gundam a lot." They were kind of friendly to me, like, "Oh, hi, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please can promote." And like, okay, so that part was kind of cool. As I was about to say, uh, the funniest question answer that I apparently heard over the entire weekend, I wasn't there for it, and I'm so mad I missed it. But somebody asked Shin Sasaki, what's the deal with Gundam in the modern era deliberately also targeting women as well as men? And his response was, we do not do that. Women would not watch Gundam because this is a show with robots and action. And I was oh, like, oh, oh dude. <laughs> I was gonna like Ooh. that was gonna be like oh. wow. I was gonna nail that dude not, on Sunday. Yeah, somebody's research team uh, kind of ooh. Yeah, so so it seems like this the Shin yeah. Sasaki guy means well, but is on a completely different planet when it comes to this sort of stuff. Ooh boy. So. That explains so much about the mishandling of Gundam. Maybe they have so to maintain some kind of, of like plausible deniability. Like, no, no, we. Yeah, there's got to be an illusion. Like, so, I don't know. So, it so seems we, weird. So but... we, no, no, that's like the Fujoshi denied... thing. It's like, oh, you're not supposed to be doing this. We've officially denied the existence of Gundam Wing fangirls. Yeah, yeah, it's like they've got to deny that this is like a built-in part of the formula because I guess the the integral part of it is the idea that hey, they're doing something they're not <laughs> supposed to. But it just it's such like uh 
information ministry of truth wow. style yeah. answer. Well, I was oh thinking gosh. more like, I wonder if it's like a delicate balance between like, they have to, you know, not alienate the, the core male fan base too much. And maybe if they admit openly, but then again, like, I don't know how anybody doesn't know with like the official artwork that, that they put in like anime and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Is, uh, the, the way you don't the way you don't alienate the official male the quote unquote male fan base is I don't know don't make Gundam wing I mean <laughs> but you know well, no, no but it's I mean, not it's even not that like Gundam I mean, stopped being popular with dudes just no, because they started doing that no stuff, I'm like, and I'm being coy because like right. I don't think that the core I think the core audience is pretty evenly split now so yeah so I don't know it's, but I mean you know you uh, think about it weird but that's yeah. just crazy. That's yeah. just, and so it's like, I wish I could have got even 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. in a room with this dude. Yeah. I think but we, it was we not learned a lesson be. too late with when you've got 15 minutes, you don't have introductory questions. You just, you just go right into Damn, it. Damn, go at it. Yeah. And you don't spend any time with, you know, how do you start this? Well, well the thing is that we didn't know. We didn't know we only had 15 no. minutes the first time because each time we asked for 30 or 45 or whatever, and we got yeah. approved as that. And it wasn't until late Saturday when all our interviews were pretty much done that we were told all interviews are 15 yeah. minutes, period. Oh, okay. And then we never had another yeah, interview. Yeah, they cut us. They, yeah, so we were always genuinely like, surprised. We were really getting into it now, and then they said, you've got time for one more question. And, and I was like, what? We just started. And because they didn't tell us 15 minutes before we no. sat down, we just realized... 15 minutes when they came in to cut and, us off. you know, off. I'm sure if we were the quote-unquote real news, like uh, Anime News Network or something, we would get, you know, however long we wanted. Did they they got like their Shinsasaki interview, the, I'll tell you that. X amount of time, and that included setting up your gear and everything like that, or? There's nothing to set up. We just, we did it very light and easy this time. Just recorded it all to, uh, to a smartphone, which is probably what we will continue to do, because dragging around those microphones is just too much work. Yeah. You know, the fast karate way, I mean, we recorded our podcast on a smartphone and it sounds pretty much okay if you're in a quiet room. Considering the jump that you get, the jump is relatively minor when you have the enormous amount of equipment set up. Mm -hmm. And for the cost of carrying that stuff around, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been recording like meetings at work um, via like my iPad. It works pretty well. Like, yeah, as long as there's not too much noise around. And I did think it was funny that Gen Urobuchi had the strictest photography policy, but I guess that comes from when a large amount of your career is writing pornography. Ow. <laughs> but that's okay. That's that's okay. But I like that they are still sticking to, you know, having Japanese guests. Clarissa and I went to the Aya Hirano uh, concert on Sunday. That was great. Someone actually tried to ask her about the fans destroying her CDs, and the translator was like, are you absolutely certain you want me to ask her this question? Everyone in the audience was like, no. And then he didn't wait, ask. Wait, wait, they asked her about what kind of CDs now? Okay, okay, so here's the joke. There's one and only one thing that people know about Aya Hirano you know, in the modern era, and that's that she's a sex haver. And she'd been getting a lot of shit from fans because of, you know, the drama involved in this. And so we thought it was funny that... Aya Hirano's Q&A was directly opposite sexism and anime and fandom because it's like, well, if you want to see it, just go to the Aya Hirano Q&A. But as it turns out, there was just one person who tried to ask her about the quote-unquote fan scandal tarnishing, as it were, in the eyes once they found out that, hey, she's not pure or whatever it is (laughs) that's going on. And the rest of the crowd was like, don't ask that question. They didn't ask. But I get the feeling that Aya Hirano understands enough to understand that 
someone tried to pull that one. But other than that, that concert for I Hirano was absolutely crazy as far as the line to get in. I didn't even try. I understand you guys uh, just skipped that uh, line entirely. There was so a there was a rock press on you. area, and so we got to. I got some really good photographs. Maybe I'll post some on the blog. Only for press for a few songs, so that was great. Thing again, thanks Otacon for you know arranging that. Yeah, because if you were not in that line, like let me put it this way: the line started at the bottom floor, then it filled up after like snaking around multiple times, and it went up the escalator, then it went out the building, and it went around the corner uh, almost yeah. to the Sheraton. The registration was on the ground floor. Uh, this was, you it know, was kind of like the dealer's room line. But yeah, which uh, ah, the, the, the dealer's room the with this party. year was so. I have so, never seen there was so the many people room. in line. They actually had to close off the dealer's room because that room is supposed to take like a tremendous number of people, and yeah. they filled it. That was crazy. Okay. I had my shtick about this on Twitter, but I'll say it again. Like dealers' rooms and anime conventions need a serious revamp if they are to do what they're supposed to do, which is please me, and. Uh, <laughs> But seriously, though, dealers' rooms are pathetic. There are a couple of people who have got really good things in there, like are selling, you know, DVD box sets for low prices or have got some cool stuff. But then there are a whole bunch of these dealers who cart around dented boxes of shows that were popular like 10 or 12 years ago. I mean, it's not as bad at big events like Otakon as it is at the smaller ones. Like the smaller ones are much worse because the really like big dealers that are prone to have a lot of new merchandise often don't go to the smaller events because it's not worthwhile. Um, so yeah. all you get stuck with is like the people who have the same stuff that they've been carting around for 15 years, which I still don't get like even the Comic-Con people. Don't you say like, isn't it better to sell it? So at some point, don't you need to say like, OK, nobody is going to pay this amount of money for this merchandise from a 10 year old show anymore. Why don't I mark it way down? Yeah, even the Comic-Con people understand that. Like, even when you go to comic book conventions, there are usually people that are just trying to clear out old stock of unsold graphic novels. Like, oh, we bought this at full price and it's not going to sell. We'll just take the loss so we don't have to carry it around. It doesn't have to take up shelf space. And there's always some segment of the anime convention dealers that just do not understand the concept of, all right, it's been however many years and there's now X many better versions of what I'm selling. I should either dramatically slash the price on this thing or fact, get rid of yeah, it otherwise I saw, because I, I saw at the convention that we went to something that i it was so stunning i had to take a photograph of it and again this is not you know an otakon problem but uh, there was a dealer there who had five tapes of magic knight ray earth they were selling these were used vhs's they were selling for 12 dollars a tape wow when you can buy the whole series well, on DVD yeah, for, you know, well, substantially less. That's, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, what, what amazes me is that this dealer has had this stuff and has marked the prices on those VHSs up as years have gone by. They well, think clearly it's, now, it's a collector's Yeah, it's because they're rare. Yeah. Like, what is, what is going through these people's heads? I think some of it is, like, people, they just don't, they're vendors, yeah. but they don't understand the, the area and so maybe it's like, oh, well, this is old, so maybe it's a collector's item and people will pay for a it. A couple, and some, there are there's that rare, maybe 5% that might actually do something like that. I collect that is too much of a gamble to risk things on. And after how many years are you going to just realize that 5% yeah, ain't coming? Much. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. On the other hand, we found, we, like, like you said, we, had, we found the uh, really good DVD box sets. Uh, I'm guessing all of us uh, grabbed the uh, Pat Labors that we found there. Well, no, because well, I, I, Pat Labor. I didn't get it because we were going to go to the concert, and I didn't want to lug it to the concert. 
And then we came back, like I came back then after that or the next morning or something, and they were gone. They had had like multiple copies left, so I thought it was safe to come back. Uh, and then when I came back, yeah, it's they like, were oh, gone. it's been this many years and nobody cares about pat labor. But it turns out that if you sell what were originally like $100 box yeah. sets for $15, people yeah, do care I mean, about I pat labor. They still had um, a bunch left that, you know, I could come back, but no. You know what it is? A lot of people lately have been talking the shit out of Pat Labor 2, talking it up about how great it is, and people are watching it and realizing, yeah, yeah it is really great. And so that's that's enough to, to yeah. move that many now, sets. Now, one guest that uh, I regret us not being able to talk to, I guess I should have thought about this, was uh, Tetsuya Kakihara, who was a voice actor. He was a voice actor, probably probably most well-known as the voice of um, Simone from or Simon Simon from Simon uh, in Grin Lagan. Yeah, interesting guy and one of the most interesting things I didn't even is that see the dude. he was born in Germany and lived there until he was 18 and started ja- anime voice acting in order to learn Japanese. Intriguing. Yeah, this by itself is fascinating. Yeah, it's the anime fan dream come true, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. And just he's an actually a Japanese guy. So I kind of regret not being able to talk to him. Again, we we had a lot to do as well over that weekend. We had uh, several panels. You were mentioning uh, sexism in anime, and we had a panel right opposite that. Our, uh, did we call it great or greatest openings? I forgot. We said great because greatest just opens up too many cans right. of worms. They're like, yes. you didn't show us a bungle. <laughs> so, yeah, we had that, which is a relatively simple panel for us to do, but uh, it's a very easy way to introduce people to new shows and, you know, pepper it with things that they like to see as well. I think we had a pretty good mix of the old stuff and the new yeah. stuff. I mean, some of the stuff we had hadn't wasn't released yet. Some of the stuff we had is long out of print. I don't like panels like that where it's just stuff people know. So people something new. You know, maybe one or two people there. I know that we posted a list on there and people came up afterwards and were saying, you know, what was that thing or what was that thing that you showed? It's a panel we enjoy doing. And then, uh, Clarissa, you were on a panel at one of the death times. Um, oh, yeah. Um, was it Saturday at like 9 a.m.? Yeah. Saturday, 9 a.m. Um, yeah. Evan Minto from uh, Anna Gamers. Uh, invited me to number be, one sword for truth fan. Yeah, he invited yep. me to be on a uh, a panel. So he does this panel about um, criticism, and he does it at different events. And each time he asks different people to participate. Um, so this time he had asked me to to be on it uh, along with Ink, who also um, does stuff for Anna Gamers. And uh, it went well. We had a lot more people at that hour than I expected. That kind of time slot, I always just assume that there'll be maybe a couple of people there who know us personally and are actually actually like us enough to drag themselves out of bed that early and go down to the panel. But no, actually, we had a, a really good showing um, and it went well. Yeah, I thought it went pretty well. I mean, 9 a.m. Saturday is a rough time. Not as bad as 10 a.m. Sunday. What is the art of active viewing? Uh, I mean, basically, the idea is talking about being able to go further than just saying like, oh, I like this show or I don't like this show and being able to actually get to the point of critiquing it. And so being able to take a bit of a step back and say, "Okay, why do I like this or why don't I like this? Um, How is this show working? Like, what is it doing? As we found is a very hard question to answer. Yeah, Sometimes. well, you know, it's it's a complicated topic, and everybody's got their own kind of viewpoints and their own particular approaches, so, yeah, which is part of why it's kind of good for them to have different people on it each time. 
honestly, I, I learn a lot just from listening to the reviews you guys do. Just different things I can just possibly look at and go, oh, okay, that's something I could have thought of mm-hmm. previously or whatever. I mean, everybody has a different style, different uh, way of telling a story or, or relating a story. Yes, a panel like that is always going to be useful for veterans and newcomers alike. It's what's, Basically, I just learned by listening to NPR's reviews on movies and said, and don't, don't do, do that. that. <laughs> don't, everything they do, don't do. Those are the worst reviews I've ever heard. So, um, Worse? That's a pretty strong statement. I've seen some pretty terrible reviews. Like, worse than Ain't It Cool News? That's true. That's true. I'll say that they are the worst reviews that someone has put on radio and paid that much for. Okay. All right. Yeah. But yeah, it was particularly hard to hit the Saturday 9 a.m. panel because Mm -hmm. my panel was Friday at 12.30 in the morning, ending at 2 in the morning. Yeah. And so... um. That was uh, my my second uh, Otakon appearance for Anime's Craziest Deaths. Where this year they put me in basically the the biggest panel room mm-hmm. they've got. And you uh, obviously it's the biggest. Thing. It's always it was packed. the biggest. It's the biggest turnout I've ever had for a panel in my life. It's the room that they put like Gen Rubuchi in, where they put like the voice actors swearing, you know, after an hours sort of panel, completely filled to capacity. Fortunately, the previous year they only had the panel be an hour. So this year when they said, okay, you got 90 minutes now, I was able to say, okay, I have 100% new footage because of the previous panels I'd accumulated footage over the years. I've got about two and a half, three hours of footage. And I was able to get like about 20 or 30 new minutes for this year. And because I loaded all that stuff in the front, that's all anybody remembers uh, whenever I go for feedback. It's like, what the hell is that thing you showed at the very beginning? Well, it, honestly, and, the thing um, that you showed at the beginning, like the first thing that you started with... It's a, it's a shock and awe technique. I mean, is, you have to... When there's 1,600 people, it's like... And it's 12.30 a.m. I have to like do everything I can to be like, all right, everybody has to just remain mm-hmm. seated the entire well, time. Of, and so of, I have like, to just open with the strongest thing I've all got. all the clips, like the, the, those Blood Sea clips were probably the most disturbing. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the worst thing I have. It's also the newest thing I had that people hadn't really seen before. because No one watched that series show. So. Only, this series only just wrapped up in Japan. It's by Clamp. There's a new movie that came out. Most people so I asked the, actually the, said, I watched like four episodes of the show and gave it up, or six episodes and, and had gave no it up. Idea and so that that they was never coming saw that for the very last Yeah, it episode. apparently wasn't very good. Right. Yeah. But wasn't very good. Wasn't Those very popular. Were fantastic. And then, and the TV broadcast was edited, so anything I was seeing was only for people who the saw the yeah. home video release <clears throat> of it, where they didn't have to censor it. So basically, this is like, holy shit, what is this? And I said, I maybe at that hour I screwed up, but it's a Funimation release. It's coming out soon from Funimation. Yeah. There were a couple of times where I'd mess up and think things were licensed that weren't, mm-hmm. or you know, say this is coming out from one company that wasn't, and it's because I'm. Just shell shocked or fried. Well, that's the thing now no, is you I gotta wait to... for the the home video release because uh, edit those for TV and then the the DVD it restores. Like Gantz was the same way. I think they're trying to bring back OAVs and as desperately yeah. as they can. Or they're trying to bring back people paying a lot these... of money for media. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's... Japan never stopped charging people a lot of money for media. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but man, those blood seeds. But yeah, I mean, shit. so I was able to do that. I don't think I can do a whole new panel next year. So it's like I'm not confident that I should even submit it for next year because like this is Otakon. This is like the biggest stage of them all as far as fan mm-hmm. panels are concerned, right? 
Expo doesn't really do a whole lot of fan panel emphasis. This is kind of like you have to bring your absolute A game for all your panels. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can find 90 more minutes of weird, bizarre footage from a type of anime that's by and large no longer made. Yeah, of, like um, when I think of like panels. Otakon is like the place where you want to have like big general audience panels and then like the other one is AWA for like excellent niche and unusual sorts of panels. So yeah, thankfully we both, can... both. Oh, there was one thing, Daryl, there was one thing I, I wish you could have gone a little further on in one of your clips. Just one. Cyber City, the fight with the vampire. I thought I ended that at the perfect time because yeah, technically if you've seen the anime you what, realize that right once after. he's thrown out of the airlock and blows up into a million pieces and you show, see the shot of him scattered out in space and entrails and he's not actually <laughs> dead if you know from watching the show but it's like I gotta keep these things like, going they cut it right before it. the actual way they kill him isn't as spectacular true, very true, very as true. being thrown and decompressed out of an airlock yeah also uh, I guess we had the rough situation uh, now I love, I love going to Mike Tool's uh, dubs that time forgot and, uh, oh, I, I really did feel for you guys on this one. I really did. And Daryl, you know, I always go. I always try to go to panels my friends do, and so I would have. Daryl, you did a panel on a retrospective on Lupin the Third, and I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, I missed so many things that I wanted to go to because of the overlaps in the schedule, and then in between that would be like nothing. Yeah, if you want to know what I've been doing for the last several months, it's been watching Lupin the Third. 40 years worth of it so I could do this panel. And, you know, despite the fact that I went through all that stuff, I forgot that the panel was only supposed to be an hour. I thought it was also an hour and a half. So I did, like, way more work and had way more clips than I had time to show. But so far, everybody who went to it, which was a reasonable amount of people, almost filled the room, Yeah, I'd well, say. anytime you have Just a series that, that that's that kind of big, like, it's difficult to not, like, run over. Like, even if you knew that you only had an hour... Because I know that that was the same thing that I had with my JoJo's panel. But yeah, I mean, I was scheduled opposite Dubs at Time for God mm -hmm. in the room directly adjacent over. And then in the room right around the corner, Gerald had his panel on the art of fan service. Mm -hmm. So me, Mike Tool, Gerald, all opposite each other, all... Yeah, I wanted to see all three of you guys' panels out there. Yeah, and I always want to go threat. to Dubs the Time Forgot because he always has different material. Yeah. It's not the same panel every year. Oh my goodness. So, so, I mean, obviously... It, one, one clip Mike had, I, 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 I'm still cracking up. It's a, the thing about... The polar bear? No, oh no, the, the polar bear was cool, but the one about Jesus. The Jesus clip got me so hard. It was, it, it, I was cracking was up Was his Jesus hard. clip I as was, good as my Jesus from Anime's Craziest Deaths, or, or not as good? I, um, I don't think it's the same one. This one had... Obviously, it's not the same one. I, I, honestly, yeah, it's uh, basically the bit where they depict uh, Jesus rising from, from the grave, and the ladies are worshiping him, saying he is risen. The thing is, though, as you see Jesus in the sky, and next to it, you see a depiction of God, and apparently it's this cult leader that I've been hearing about. Oh, okay, yeah. And I'm like, oh, right, man. Right, the Amshin Rikyo really? stuff. I can't remember the name of it. I remember he's like apparently produced like three anime and based on his beliefs or whatever. But oh, is that the Happy like, Science so people? No, yeah. no, this is oh, on Shuriko yeah, yeah. okay. uh, ones. But yeah, like the for people who don't know, because uh, I before Anime's Crazy stuff started, I got set up a little early, so I ran like leader footage and I ran a ten minute animated thing that was like done by Studio Four Degrees C, and it's in like high definition 1080p. It so good. It's on YouTube. <laughs> It's one of those things because I, or the church 
paid for it. It's been dubbed into every spoken language you can think of, subtitled in even more languages you can imagine. It's all on YouTube, and it's just basically the most accurate scriptural depiction of the passion, the crucifixion that you'll ever see in anime. And so I just figured that, okay, this is what we'll probably need in our lives wait, wait, wait. after this panel's wait, over. This it's called My Last Day. My Last Day. And it's this thing that the church made just to promote Christianity. And they basically made about as close to the uh, New Testament depiction of Christ's last day as you could make. I mean, yeah, there are some inevitable inconsistencies such as, uh, what precisely Christ's last words were, but you know, what are you going to do? So yeah, I I showed that one and (laughs) that was one where it's like almost nobody seemed to have any idea this thing even existed. I mean, I almost certainly didn't. The only only, uh, Christian anime or well, remotely uh, Judeo Christian anime I've ever known was the the one without Christ, uh, the old Testament stuff that does look a dead. Yeah. In the beginning that was, uh, I remember I was at the AWA where you did the Osamu Dezaki panel and this panel was so well thought out that I could walk up and put the VHS tape that I had just bought into the player and you let me get away with it. It could have been porno, Darius. <laughs> wow. If it was Gerald yeah, that no. put it in the recorder, like, it then been. he probably would have had to worry that it would be porn. Maybe. Uh, you guys are a trip. Yeah, there's no, no, no super book, no flying house this time. But yeah, um, so, so that was that panel. And, and then, then um, uh, yeah. How did Art of Fan Service go? They put me in, I guess, the second largest panel room. I guess that's, I don't know how big that one is, but I filled it. It's like 680 or 700. It's like a large amount. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, almost filled to capacity. I was told later it was filled to capacity. Went very well. I mean, normally, I if I do panels like that, it's usually like straight up just hentai, like history of hentai I did the previous year, and people came up to me and said, oh, I like that panel and such. And so this one was, I tried to do something I've never seen before, and I've never seen a panel focusing on like fan service and how fan service has changed and so the panel went well and, and, and not just sexual fan service well i tried to also talk about you know there's you know mecha fan service and there's you know military fan service and then there was referential fan service and so i talked about that as well although i'm totally aware that when people say the term fan service what comes to their mind is usually tits or bare-chested men hanging around looking very bored but I thought the panel went well. Uh, what did you use for the mecha fan service? I'm curious here. The second opening to Zeta Gundam as like super detailed, super slick. Yeah, a lot animation. of transformation stuff going on uh, in that one. Yeah, and then for military fan service, I used the opening to uh, Area 88. Uh, that excellent opening with the tanks moving along, and then they're getting you know blown apart. Super detailed stuff. And then you know for referential stuff, I used the Haruhi Suzumiya, where it was basically scenes from Ace Attorney. Um, that were just sort of superimposed onto this show. I very rarely see comments on any of my panels, and the few comments seem to... It's because they're 18-plus yeah. panels. I mean, not many people will talk about, yeah, I went to the one that was yeah. showing pornos. It yeah. was pretty great. I mean, people don't comment much on panels anyway, and yeah, the 18-plus even less. I had help from Clarissa and the other ladies on the internet as to what I should include for... At least acknowledging that, you know, fan service is also there for ladies a lot as well. I think we just made Gerald more confused, though. Uh, indeed. Well, <laughs> w- well, what, what I basically got at is that guys' ideas of fan service is very narrow. Ladies' ideas of fan service is enormously wide and includes everything that guys have as well. This made it very tough for me. Like, I was talking to one lady who uh, is much more interested in, like, manly men tough muscle big guys 
And I had a hard time like coming up with anime made for women with manly men in it. In fact, I still actually can't think of any examples of anime. It's tough. I mean, nowadays, the description, the criteria for being considered, quote, manly anime is, is your lead character an adult male? That's it. I mean, you know, before Tiger and Bunny, what was the last anime yeah, that had an adult like, male maybe lead? Torico. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you want to count the <laughs> Shonen Jump panders to Fujoshi. That was brought up. And uh, so, you know, I could have included that. But the, the an example to me was, again, this was not made for women. But this is an example of it, which was, you know, Fist of the North Star. This is a manly okay. guy, big muscled manly guy, and That's this person thrown to the max right there. This person really likes this stuff, but there really isn't like manly muscled fan service for ladies in anime. Yeah, I mean, at least I know from like the BL side of things, like that's kind of a very niche that's interest. A hard like, to pick up. Uh, at least, at least uh... something that has nothing but like really buff manly guys. Like sometimes you have like BL where like the one guy is like at least has like is really tall and has broad shoulders Mm -hmm. but then usually like the other guys maybe not as as big so i don't know it's starting to become a little bit more common but at least before it used to be like super niche and there was like maybe one manga anthology that was like half for ladies and half for dudes so yeah since it was so niche just in manga like yeah. Forget anime. Me. So yeah, those were. Um, and but it did give me the opportunity to. I didn't show the whole thing, but I did find a seven-minute-long video of nothing but Kenshiro's shirt being pulled off of him. With uh, really hilarious <laughs> rave music in the background, yes. like nothing. I feel like Carl yeah. Horn's next party should just have that, like you know what you playing include, continuously. Um, <laughs> yes. You should include scenes from the uh, Hulk cartoons where he just calls up. Yeah, that's anime. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, is that yeah, those were those are our panels. But, you know, I, I have to, uh, you know, deflate myself a bit and say um, none of the panels we did were the best panels of the convention because the best wow. panel of the convention was that Macross panel. These guys have been doing this panel for a long time, at least 10 years. And I guess that we've just never yeah, gone to well, it. Well, he said that he'd and never done it at Otakon before. I, I did talk yeah, to him I guess. a bit. This was a, this was a married couple who had been doing Macross panels since when they were dating. And uh, now... What's weird is that, as fantastic as this panel was, I would never do a panel this I could, way. I could never do a panel this style. way. Not even I would. I cannot do a panel this way because I don't have the right. acumen for it. They were dressed up as Max and Miria. And oh, they, wait. I think I've seen that couple. Yeah. And they had like, uh, they were doing comparisons of uh, Macross Frontier to, you know, the original Macross. And they would, it wouldn't just be like descriptions. They would have a video playing of a DVD they authored. And then they would have a character from Macross Frontier and a character from the original Macross. And they would have clips from the show, from both shows, that basically like He'd match lined cut up it. each character and matched yeah, them up. And, and then he also, so he also did work. it for like live action footage to like say like, oh, for this yeah. idol singer or for these particular planes or based on this particular person. Lots wow. and lots of research. I mean, I consider myself reasonably versed in Macross, I I know about it. I, yeah. I could conceivably even do some sort of panel on it, but I could not do a yeah. panel this good about it because it requires you to know not just about the show. It requires knowledge that you could never 
accumulate just through Google or just through Wikipedia or anything like that. It requires such a, a distinct and specific knowledge of not just Macross, but Robotech in its various incarnations and sequels over the years to be able to isolate specific episodes and specific scenes and specific lines of dialogue or moments to corresponding equivalents. Well, to be fair, I don't know that any of us have ever had a single panel that we've worked on for 10 years. Probably not. Such that, yeah, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it, it not gotta... to sell their panel short at all. Like, it, it's an amazing amount of work, but... I, I imagine that they've of, done it uh, piece research. by piece over time. Yeah, I mean, these so. guys seem like the types that are like, we are into super into Macross and nothing else, and you know, possibly. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably, but that's okay. They did, holy crap, they did a, such a good job at that panel, and then suddenly at the end there was a singing number. Yeah, that was a little weird. It's obviously that, their that friends. Was, but, but as weird as that was, I can get behind that level of fandom and fanaticism over something. I was digging so, it, except it went on a lot longer than they, I they thought it was the going full to. version of the song. It wasn't the TV version of the song. Right. But yeah, I mean, that was so, like, I was, in terms of just sheer level of information and, and technical mm-hmm. uh, presentation, that's like by far and away the best. Even if, you know, in terms of delivery, they were just like reading off of a really lengthy really? script. Yeah. They're aware of that. They'll be, they'll be back next year. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, I recorded this entire panel, so without their permission, unfortunately. But you know, um, they were actually kicking people out for that. certain things for recording panels and stuff. There were yeah, I, I so. did hear stories about people getting warned or being uh, told to shut off video cameras and such during panels because oh, recording's not allowed. But typically, yeah. sometimes that would happen bef- in cases where they wouldn't even say before the panel, "Hey, guys." no photos or video like they should have put up a sign that said no photos or video if they wanted to but well i mean i can kind of understand that like it's one thing to take photos but the intention is probably not for people to just record the entire panel and then like give it to people who did not attend it's one of those things like especially for the masquerade and stuff like that where they don't own the music and and whatever that you know that could get them in trouble but like i know the only time i was asked about it was um for my lupon panel when they said is it okay if people record and i said absolutely people can record it i want copies of people because people always ask us Mm -hmm. will you record your panels and put them online the answer is always we don't have the means to do so (laughs) so um i know that at least one person was recording uh my lupon panel and uh he said he would get in touch with me but i haven't heard back yet so i did record we went to a satellite panel like satellite is in the animation studio that was uh, Shoji Kawamori's studio, basically, and Hidetaka Tenjin, who we mentioned earlier, was on the panel, even though he doesn't work there. And this had an amazing moment in it. I'll say two amazing moments. Yes. Um, the first is that Shoji Kawamori had a message for America, and I did record that. And for Oda yeah, I did record that, and nobody record that seemed to, to care. So obviously, it's a message for America, right? Obviously, the word has to really? get out. But the most amazing part, to me anyway, and I think this is sort of an allegory of the Japanese anime industry, they were running their panel off of a laptop. And the laptop was in clone view, such you could see the desktop and, you know, what they were doing as it was broadcast on the screen. And what we all noticed was they're running off of battery, off of a, you know, presentation that is primarily playing video and such. That battery is going to die real soon. And sure enough, in the middle of the panel battery died on the laptop and they were like oh crap what do we do rather than plug the laptop in to the outlet rather than switch the battery out they 
took out the entire laptop, got another laptop, put the whole panel onto this other laptop, and then restarted from there. That, to me, is like the microcosm of how the Japanese think. Like, a minor setback occurs, <laughs> and then they, they freak out and say, oh, this whole thing has just got to go. You know, nothing doing. You know, they had a very simple solution they could have used, and uh, they they opted for the most Byzantine way to go about fixing it. But at least it, it did get fixed, and we got to see some unused Macross Frontier Pachinko animation in CG. Uh, <laughs> which I believe wasn't used because the earthquake was happened. Going to That's come right. Out the day of the earthquake or so. So yeah. Um, but yeah, if you weren't at that panel, if you weren't at the satellite beautiful. panel on Saturday morning, you uh you you will never see that footage. <laughs> Yeah, missed out a lot. That's how so. it works, yeah. Yep, I'm, I'm glad I was there. People need to go to these Japanese company and Japanese guest panels. There's always yeah, interesting I stuff. Yeah, um, I had ducked out of that for a bit to go to the um, panel that the Anime Manga Research Circle was running on. I did want to um, go see that, but like I couldn't. Academic research. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I came back to the satellite panel. Be- so it was uh, Ada Palmer, uh, Mikhail from the AMRC mailing list. It wasn't a bad panel, but I ducked back out of it because it was kind of, it was very basic. I mean, it's more of like an introductory panel for like, if you are interested in possibly researching this stuff, because it was all like, here's where you can go to find journal articles. And these are some journals that you might want to look at. And these are like... So, I mean, it's not a bad panel at all. Like, it's, I mean, it's good. And the hosts are definitely people that know what they're talking about. But for me, it's like way too basic. Yeah. Well, you're a, you're a scholar already in that, or at least you're doing research on that already. So, yeah. Um, you just reminded me of one panel I really did enjoy going to. Following the uh, Funimation panel, their industry panel, one member, Lance High School, said, okay, I'm going to be over. Like, literally, you had to like run right from the convention center to the Hilton. And kind of in a sprint to catch up to the panel there because they were like practically back to back. Lance has been working on an archive project. Oh uh, yes, little, yes, he's been taking basically uh, magazines, old from, Americas, like, and that of, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I I was curious about that because um, we had tried to do something like that, but just didn't really have the time to really get it done in a like a. A yeah, full-scale fashion. It, it, it's also a, a money thing. Like we couldn't find like a place to upload these things and figure out, you know, how to display them and such. But yeah, I follow yeah, his. He's been getting a lot of that. Uh, he, apparently, he's even got a backlog of, of stuff. I, 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 right, I, I, I and so I was kind of, yeah. you know, I was kind of curious because this was like a such a similar. Lance mainly only but, scans uh, yeah, ads yeah, from those magazines. He doesn't scan the whole thing, so it's not as much. Some of them are like a whole old magazines like Animag and mm-hmm. um, Animazine, things like that. But then he does actually, he don't, he'll go and focus on the uh, ads very specifically and how they've evolved and right. why companies did XYZ ad. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you know, it saves us the uh, having to worry about the, the funding and everything, but it's... Yeah, we've got a lot of material that we could help him with, perhaps. Yeah, so. I guess we can just uh, turn all that over to him now. Or, yeah, just, I mean, just talk to him. He'd probably love it. But, like, I, I don't think it'll stop anybody from doing their own such project. But it is quite fascinating. Just uh, I've been doing this for a couple of decades, just collecting and stuff. And, yeah. and I never really thought about the patterns of how mm-hmm. people would uh, actually advertise. Like, And just, like, sometimes they would, like, advertise really adult material to people who probably are not really ready for it. For 
for example. Mm. Um, sometimes a magazine that it just never really hit me until I watched it. I'm like, ooh, good lord, yeah, that's that's bad timing there. Kids aren't quite ready to, you know, who collect anime magazines might not necessarily be ready to see a guy double target. No, I'm pretty sure or, that's what made anime that. as big as it was, is selling porno to children. That's kind of <laughs> the <laughs> basis <laughs> where you could buy triple X porn in the mall. This whole yeah, operation, you know, Darius. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just so it was kind of fun watching days gone by and um, seeing how people like Manga Entertainment have gone from X to X to Y to A, as it were, or uh, how big the uh, ADV booth for at Anime Expo. Yeah, they go from like they had this gigantic two-story banner to you know, what they are right now, and yeah, which is a couple of boxes in a different company, and yeah, you know. but yeah, I mean, I want to say, I guess we we probably want to wrap this up pretty pretty soon. I just have like one like final like really surprising sort of observation on my part that uh, Otakon 2012, oh, despite yes. having like almost 33,000 people, like a, a big increase, a couple thousand people increase from years past, there was like virtually no like shouting of shit in the halls this year, which like blew me away. I heard but, a couple but things. Hardly but any, not... like one or two, as opposed to a nonstop uh, three-day yeah, barrage, which is usually what happens. And I'm, I'm not sure, like... You went to Anime Boston, Gerald. Did you notice anything? Because I was blown away. Like I went to Soccer Con. It's like, wow, there's not people being annoying in the halls. There was, uh, there was a lot more at Anime Boston. Okay, than so there Anime was at Boston Otacon. still Otacon, the worst. I heard it maybe once or twice in the hallways, and that was it. It wasn't like continued on. Anime Boston, yeah, people would like get in the, uh, you know, the windows and that in that elevator area and at just Anime yell Boston. stuff out still. Yeah, and, and, you know, the yes. staff always is like, oh, there's yeah. nothing we can do. It's like, oh, yeah, there's something you can do. I mean, you know, things can happen. Yeah. I think people kind of maybe are growing. Like, <laughs> You're funny. Say, or, well, Marco and... No, 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 no. This and, time, and someone right. said Marco and someone else said, yeah, shut up. <laughs> and that was the only response they got. <laughs> people just keep walking. Like, I've heard that joke before, you know? It's just, what was the one I used to hear? Yeah, you know, there's that. And I didn't hear a lot of that. I barely heard, like, the yeah. what time is it adventure time. You barely heard people screaming that they had ice cold water because they didn't. The one I heard the most was the one that that, mean, that meant the least to me, which was people just going, yes, 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 which is of some That has evolved beyond wrestling, wrestling at this point. I think it's just people are aware that there's an animated GIF. People aren't really contextually aware of where this animated GIF comes from or anything like that. They mm. just they know that that animated this. GIF exists, and that's it. Um, right. Yeah, I heard that. I heard a I heard a bit of Marco Polo, but nowhere near um, like you know the reputation Otakon. No, has not had. as bad as usual. Yeah. At Expo, they don't really shout it that much. In fact, it, I heard about as much as I heard it at Otakon. Come to think of it, so it it, it I guess. Yeah, people, people have commented care. that it seems to be more of like an East Coast thing, the uh, mm-hmm. the meme shouting. Just, I don't think I heard a single butt no, scratcher. No, I didn't hear that at all. So nope. that I mean, good. I was told that there was one or two in the line for anime's craziest deaths, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't there mm. for it. Yeah. So, you know, good job attendees. Yeah, there's, there, maybe something is happening, yeah, or maybe yeah. it's just a crazy, maybe everyone was just too blown away by the oppressive heat. Tired. Maybe the, yeah. maybe there just wasn't like a, a really good meme that has come out between now and last year. Those shouting memes are always like five years behind the curve of like whatever happened on the internet. And so it's like, you know, what might be old mm. news on the internet, you know, can persist for years and years in, you know, reality. That's how I've always noticed it. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's just kind of fascinating that all that stuff just more or less died out. 
And I, I'll be interested to see uh, how AWA is. Yeah. Well, AWA usually is very good. I mean, AWA always has like a weird sort of maturity to it. But yeah, uh, lots of us are like too old to think, Mark, I like man polo. Shut up. Leave me alone. <laughs> also, I just thought I'd bring up what, and since we talk about this, what was the most common cosplay at the convention? Madoka Penny Magica. and stocking. Yeah, I saw a bunch of Madoka. I saw a bunch of Adventure Time. Homestuck? Um, yeah, a lot of Homestuck. It's really strange. On Friday, there's a bunch of people working around as Cobra. I don't understand why. Hmm. Uh, One of those, those dudes had a massive dick, according yeah. to the picture I saw of him. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pull over one of those Lady Armoroids because that ass is too fat. Uh, Uh, We'll post a picture Uh, and embed it into this very MP3 that you are listening to now. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people pointed out that there was a lot of Korra, um, you know, costumes. So, I mean, between Homestuck, Korra, Adventure Time, you know, that sort of thing. Most of the top costumes weren't anime related. A lot of Avengers. Um, G- uh, American comic book stuff in general, like comic movies, but probably mostly Avengers. Not too many Jokers. Um, yeah. There's one area where all the uh, cosplayers gather in front of the video Yeah, the game foyer or... where the fountains are. Yeah. yeah. There's still uh, a lot of Final Fantasy costumes. One male Loki was found. Yeah, I, I, my most retweeted post in Twitter in, of all time was my pointing out that approximately zero of the many, many Loki costumers at Otakon are guys, and I just got yeah. a ton of responses like, yep, same thing at SDCC, and eventually I got like two people out of the 33,000 or so at Otakon that were guy uh, low-key costumers. Yeah, so no, um, really nice those people looking. who sent it to me did not understand what the word approximately means. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, really not nice saying there are none, I'm just saying it is uncommon. Yeah, very, 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 very uncommon. You can only imagine how Dragon's gonna be. Yeah, usually the most common is any sort of show or thing where there's an ensemble cast, like just then people can just kind of pick and choose stuff. Like, I think that if we take absolute numbers, probably the most common cosplay there was Homestuck. Yeah, I remember y'all tried to explain that to me, and I was like, what the bloody Did you run away, like instantly? It's a webcomic. That's it. I think you explained it to me, and I keep It's a webcomic. It's not anime. And to Otakon's credit, no Homestuck panels, yes. no My Little Pony panels. The Avatar, the last Hairbender panel got canceled because the panelists allegedly no-showed. I'm told later that they just didn't check into panel ops, but if they were in the room, why didn't they just speak up and say no, we're here? Yeah, we just went they... to an anime convention this last weekend that had three Homestuck panels. Three. And multiple My Little Pony panels and yes. you know so on and so forth. So I guess it's one of those things where it's only if you're a big convention that you can afford to actually turn down applications, whereas otherwise any application goes and the applications that are sent in reflect what, of course, there's going to be that stuff at AWA, Darius. Oh, I he posted a partial list of the panels. There's one that says ponies, at least. Maybe. Maybe there's not a home. I can't even look at it. It's down for maintenance. Oh, well. But I applaud Otakon for sticking to their, you know, 8% unrelated, 10% unrelated panels, which you can afford to do at Otakon, and, you know, keeping it 90% actually related to Asian pop culture. Otakon's been one of my uh, favorite cons to go to the past couple of years. I've... And you go to a lot of cons. Like, I don't know anyone who Are goes to... Are you on to... the prowl for the Asian women, Darius? Is that why you're going to oh, the cons? Oh, no, no, no. Um... No, he doesn't have to prowl for them. They're on the prowl for him. Yeah. Can't you tell? <laughs> When it comes to the ladies, they come to here. 
I can't believe I said that. This is like the like the 11th con I went to this year, either working or just um, going out to uh, learn stuff. For the past couple of years, Oticon's been one very good educational convention just to learn from and learn from both the organization and from the attendees. And the main oh, thing that you've learned is to automate your video room. No. <laughs> <laughs> then you have learned nothing. Never happening. I'm a jerk. <laughs> Enjoy running around constantly for three days exhausted so that you never have no. time to talk to us. Yeah, well, where's the fun in that? No, uh, but uh, I'll talk about that one some other time. <laughs> we could all go hang out at Abdullah the Butcher's house of ribs and Chinese food. Oh, uh, yes. You guys have finally made it up there. Did you get to see him when you went? Twice. Yeah, we've seen him times. a couple times. Uh, yeah, he apparently. actually he almost killed a friend of ours, like accidentally. Um, awesome. Apparently when they had WrestleMania here, he completely ran out of food because everybody was coming in just to meet him and everything. Apparently he also tried to set up a gimmick table at the fan access, even though he didn't have like a registered appearance and oh, kicked man. him out. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, I guess it's about an hour and a half. I think we should probably uh, wrap this up. Otakon 2012 coverage of the Anime World Order podcast. I suppose we did promise a Unico review, but we'll do that some other day. Yes, we will continue with this. Part two will be the Unico interview. So uh, Unico interview? Ooh. Or not no, Unico interview, interview with Unico uh, review. That, the Unico. comic book if we could, from Sanrio. If we could interview Unico, is, uh, I would do that too. Yep. Why are you cooler than My Little Pony? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for, for showing up, Darius. Uh, no if you problem. want uh, anything you want to plug uh before uh, we let this, you go uh, anime we- anime week in atlanta will be taking place at the end of uh september please come check us out we have a lot of good things for old school and new school fans alike and you will see these uh these gentlemen and this nice lady doing a few panels themselves agreed possibly my favorite convention well, I'm surprised you, so. you didn't plug your uh, fandom post articles since i noticed you write movie reviews once a week and then nobody comments on them yes i uh, for the fandom post, uh, just actually posted today uh, my review of the new Disco Test release version of uh, GoGo 13, The Professional, finishing up typing up about the Cobra movie that Disco Test just released. And I'll be putting posting that tonight. And hopefully, y'all can check that out very, very soon. Well, I'm amazed. It's anime reviews because basically, for the last several, like as far back as I can think, you've only the reviews years I've seen have been for Hollywood films. So it's yeah. good that you've got something. Uh, I kind of throw out everything I can that's in my brain at the time. So, yeah, I'm trying to keep everything active. I always look forward to AWA. I look forward to it again this year, and uh, Daryl and I will be doing a panel there. We may be doing more we, than one. We might need to get, yeah. We'll uh, we'll talk about that as the, the date draws near. Yes. Cool beans, guys. But for now, the website is www.animeworldorder.com. Our uh, email address is animeworldordergmail.com. We didn't get to read any uh, emails, unfortunately, but keep them coming in. I've actually, you know, going to have to devise a way to start giving away prizes again. Uh, some of them are what I would call fabulous prizes, but a couple <laughs> of them are legitimately good. I've got a ton of DVDs to give away, a ton of uh, of sets of anime. These are uh, like screener of animation. copies of things. So. Yeah, the screener copies I no longer or need. Anything, they're just... Discs. Yeah, just the discs only, but uh, yeah. I'll probably have to start devising ways to, to to give those out. So come to our panels. Always come to our panels. You might walk away with something. Yeah, you might actually get something in return, especially at AWA when uh, we don't have to check everything into yeah, baggage just, claim. Yeah. And if you're really, really lucky, you might get something that you would actually want. 
Yeah, oh, that's uh, a Don't gamble on that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I just realized I should plug this part. Uh, I'm doing three panels myself at AWA as well. One on uh, professional AMV making, as in the stuff that you'd find on Japanese DVDs or stuff in the past, like Diacon or things like that, as well as one on the, how the Monkey King legend has been depicted in anime, and one with Brian Powell of uh, Mecha Ficcionado. It's his panel. I'm just help, helping him with it. But we're doing 25 years of Bubblegum Crisis, the uh, rockin' lightsabers. Nice. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that panel especially. Be sure to bug Mike Tool since he did a panel to the West a couple of years back, and he's uh, mined that pretty extensively. So Ooh, he can probably cool. give you some pointers as far as that. All right. So I guess that'll do it for uh, this installment of uh, AWO. This is, uh, again, what is it, episode 107? Sorry, I'm supposed to introduce this and I completely forgot. Um, <laughs> look forward to the Unico review. I've been teasing people with it for too long. That will come shortly after this yep, episode. And uh, I guess if you're bored, in the meantime, you can check the uh, podcast I recorded live at Oticon with Fast Karate for the Gentleman, where we talked about uh, Crying Freeman, which they had never seen before. So that's oh, over at, that's over at davidjoel.com, so, if you've never heard it. We'll put a so link up. Worse. Uh, so I guess, yeah, that'll do it. Oh, uh, yeah, flying semen. Don't worry, we made that joke. <laughs> <laughs>